In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As I looked up information for the sermon for this week, I did not realize that we have been observing Advent for 15 centuries. That's a long time. And we keep doing it. It's kind of like the person that goes to work out and tells the trainer, I'm going to keep showing up until I get it done right. Advent started very much as a parallel to Lent. It was a time of uh, preparation for baptism. And it was a time of purging oneself, a time of penitential time. And it shared with Lent the biblical imagery of repentance and hope. It talked about the coming of the Lord. The prophecies would talk about that. John the Baptist was introduced as it is today. The Annunciation by the angel Gabriel to Mary was also brought in. And then it culminates in the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. And in these 15 centuries, it has metamorphosized, has evolved into more of a preparation time with a penitential flavor to it. Advent is a time of two things, of eschatology, and faithfulness. Now, eschatology is one of those 35-cent words that you get in seminary, and you use three or four times a year to let the congregation know how smart you are. But what does it mean? It means the last discourse. It means an explanation of the last days, what is coming, at least the way we think it's going to be. We ponder of that in this period of time. We learn about renewal and birth, fulfillment and fullness. The discourses during this period of time is a progression of events from, from prophecy to good news. We begin last week, if you remember, Jesus says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Again, it's in the future. That's the prophecy of what's going to happen. And then today, we are moved to repent. John came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Then next week we'll be present for the Annunciation and the travel that Mary takes to go see Elizabeth. And we hear the words of Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Then after a very burdened trip where Mary rides the rough road on a donkey and... Joseph walks next to her. We hear the gospel of a newborn gospel child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and placed him in a manger. And that's a story. That's what you and I are living in and through at this time. So in Advent, the evangelical drama crystallizes. It crystallizes before us so that we may pray, we may mourn, Repent, watch, and rejoice. And it's also a time of faithfulness because Jesus' birth is entangled with his resurrection. It is birth, new life, and new life. And in between, there is a lot. It's called the Bible. And God promised a Savior to us, and he gave us Jesus. 
And Jesus says, I will be back to bring you into my kingdom. So the church painfully spends all year reminding us that we're in a mode of advent until the second coming. It is not something we think about very much this time of the year. We like to think of babies. And for those of you who remember many, many years ago, Bishop Terwilliger, he would say in his interesting way, Christmas is not about babies. Christmas is the beginning of the death of the Son of God. St. Cyril of Jerusalem said, we ought not merely rest upon Christ's first coming alone, but ought also to look forward to his second coming. And that piece of the second coming is something we discussed a lot in one of the men's Bible classes on Thursday morning. Yes, we're expecting this. We're looking at Christmas, Christ going forth, Christ must. But now we need to look at his return. So how do we prepare for this coming? Well, first, as we are called upon to do today, repentance is kind of cleaning up before something new comes in. Let me illustrate this in a very poor way, and I understand that. And I tried it last night, I didn't feel comfortable, but I don't have anything better. <laughs> Our home was, was built in 1960, and there is a room there that I do not know what the architect was thinking about. Uh, I think his pencil slipped or something, but there's a room that is not big for anything and it's not small for anything, it's just in between. And so we decided that's where the Christmas tree is gonna go, all right? Has a small window and we can show outside to our neighbors that we have a Christmas tree. <laughs> to put the Christmas tree there, I have to remove an area rug. I have to remove a serving tea set. I have to remove two chairs and reorganize an armoire, right? Once I move all that, I have to clean the place because when you start putting things on it, you don't want to put them in a dirty place. Okay, so this is an illustration of what we need to do. What John is saying is you need to clean up. You need to get rid of the clutter so that something new and beautiful and powerful as God can come into your life. C.S. Lewis, once upon a time, wrote, Christianity has no message for those who do not realize that they're sinners. We are a forgiven bunch of people. Now, at this time of the year, we don't like to think about that. We like to think about the lights and, and the, the, the joyful songs, which began middle of July, I think. <laughs> I have promised myself several times that I'm going to write an email to Caleb because I like the 60s music that they play, except that the uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving or Friday after Thanksgiving, they begin with Christmas music. And how many times can you deck the halls? Um, you know, and um, so I, I think that there's more to it in this time of the year than that. There's a deeper meaning, and the deeper meaning is this. God, out of his own volition, out of his own mind, decided to inject himself into our broken and finite world. And to me, that's a heck of a thing. That's the biggest gift that you and I could ever have. Under a tree, over a tree, it doesn't matter. And John's message is that 
the world could be and, and can be better. And the beginning is repentance. The second point of how we prepare for Christ's coming is a commitment to righteous living. We make a mistake, we're sorry, we apologize, and we keep going on and we make the same mistake again and again and again. And what happens with repentance is that there is a, a full change, a change of ways. Story goes this way. A lady comes to confession one time and the priest absolves her and she had confessed that she had lied 10 times. The next week she comes and she said she had lied 15 times and so on and so on and the lying increases and then one day she comes and says, bless me father for I have sinned. I am a liar. That changed her mind, it changed her heart and changed her life. Look, there's a little bit of good and bad in all of us. And sometimes they manifest themselves. No one is pure angel and no one is pure demon. But if we allow the bad stuff to continue to fester and to boil and to grow, what happens is that it begins to control us and little bit by little bit begins to destroy us and destroy our relationships with family and friends. So what we need is a, a change of heart, a new orientation, a total commitment to righteous living. And we cannot do that alone. We need to do that with God's grace. We do not have the power within us to live in a righteous way without God being next to us. And I say that because grace emanates from a relationship between us and God. I cannot say that I am Jim Morris's friend unless I have a relationship with him. And I just use him because he's seated there. Not that I like him or know him at all. No, not really. We know each other. So thank you for sitting there. You weren't expecting that, I know. So I have to have a relationship with God so that grace can emanate, can be, can be born and sustained and cultivated. We cannot go and buy grace at the deli. It is not there, it is in a relationship with God. We must depend on his mercy and grace to make a new beginning. And I believe, I'm firmly convinced that that is the road, the kind of road that John is talking about. Using the words of Isaiah to make everything level. He's not talking about concrete. He's talking about justice, grace, Righteousness, repentance. We have two weeks to go. How is our relationship with God going? Take a moment, think about that. <coughs> Wrap it in prayer. Are we ready to receive the Christ child? With all the hustle and bustle that I have in my life right now, I have to say no. Maybe I can delay Mary a little bit. Won't happen. Maybe we're all lost in a, in a secular maze this year where the buying frenzy continues like sharks feed. We're trying to build a straight road for the King of Kings. 
to travel on, to travel onto our hearts. That's what Advent is all about. We're being called upon to do that. The answer rests within our hearts. And what will our answer be? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.